This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. We now have uh, our sister Sophia. Yeah, she will read to us uh, the scripture reading for today. And then after that, I will pass the time over to Pastor Andrew Ong, who will preach on today's passage. Thank you. Today's scripture reading is taken from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Let's go to God. Dear Father, as we come before you this nice cool morning, we pray that uh, you be striking us hard in our hearts to really warm us with the good news that Jesus is God come into the world to save us. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. My father once said to me that I will never believe in Jesus Christ. I don't believe he's true because I don't believe in the virgin birth. You can't believe that a virgin can give birth, do you? After all, I'm a doctor. For some people like my dad, they can't accept anything that's supernatural or miraculous or something outside the laws of the natural world, right? So for my dad at that time, Jesus could not exist. He must not exist because to do so would be to blow up his whole understanding about how the world works, right? That everything must work in a material, natural, non-miraculous way. I wonder whether we sometimes come to Christmas time and we think about the virgin birth and the Holy Spirit conception the same way. We kind of like share this sneaking suspicion that maybe that's not all there is to it. So for my dad, he believed that there were no miracles and no supernatural in the world, so therefore Jesus cannot, must not, does not exist. For some other people, they may feel that miracles and supernatural stuff is just made up, that Jesus really existed, but he was just a normal human being, just like you and I today. Some other people may feel that, uh, you know, the miracles and the supernatural in the Bible, they're just kind of like these exaggerated things. Something happened, but not as much as they said. Like, you know, it's like Chinese whispers. You know, you kind of like whisper from one person to the other, and everything is exaggerated over time. And so Jesus is like this bigger person. Maybe he's a bit more superior than us, but it's all been kind of like exaggerated. 
But for Matthew, as we read his gospel, he is very clear. There's no ambiguity. There's no confusion. Right? He's very, very clear at this point. There's something very, very supernatural and miraculous happened in the birth of Jesus. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about, he writes. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Oh, you can't be plainer than that, right? Before they even came together, they didn't cohabitate. You know, that didn't happen then. They didn't come together. They weren't friends with benefits. They didn't kind of shack up. Before they came together and had any sex at all, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was already pregnant. And Matthew tells us it's because she was pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, what do you think about that? Now, for my dad, he'll probably say, you know, that's like nonsense, right, in the past. That's like superstitious. You know, the people in the past, they're not like people today. You know, today we're very wise and scientific and, you know, we would just never believe that. Now, there's this condition that modern people suffer from. It's uh, described as a chronological snobbery. You know, it's kind of big words there. Chronological is like this word, time. We're like time snobs. So chronological snobbery basically means that we, in the modern world, view the people living in the past as inferior to ourselves today, inherently inferior to us today. The people of the past were less intelligent than the people of today. We see chronological snobbery today, right? So we, we view the past as, you know, these people were just stupidos, right? They're like blockheads. We can see that in the world today, right? In the sense of how some of the younger generation, so that's like people like you, may view older people, not me lah, older than me like, okay? So there's, you know, you, you know, they were talking and it says, you know, you argue something, then they'll say, oh, you know, you're a, you're a boomer. You know, or when older people say to younger people, you know, when I was your age, and then the younger people say, you know, that we know better lah, you're a boomer. But it's not just the younger people to the older people. It may be that, People of our generation look at the people of earlier generations and we feel that, look, we just know better. We're more scientific. We have more information. After all, we've got Google, right? How can we not know things? But that's not the case, right? Last week, we looked at 17 verses of the genealogy of Jesus. And in every one of those occasions, in the origins and the history of the timeline and the family tree of Jesus, all of Jesus' predecessors all had a human father and all of them had a human mother, right? When you read one, verse 1 to 17, it's like the son of, the son of, the father of, the mother of. We don't read anything about Holy Spirit conception or virgin birth. In fact, if you were to read the whole of the Old Testament cover to cover, there is no virgin birth or Holy Spirit conception recorded in the Old Testament before Jesus. So what is happening here? Why are we then told in these uncertain terms that the birth of Jesus was this special birth with the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. Now you can sort of imagine Mary during that time, right? She's about to be married, she's engaged to be married, and suddenly she starts feeling nausea. You know? She starts not being able to eat certain food, not liking certain smells, then she doesn't have a period. Now, obviously, in those days, they don't have a pregnancy test kit you can pick up from the Guardian. But over time, she notices that her stomach is starting to grow, right? Now, she doesn't automatically say, ah, Holy Spirit conception. 
Ah, that's why this is happening, right? She's obviously very, very confused. And same for the husband, right? Same for the fiancé, Joseph. He would be very confused too. He'll be thinking to himself, why has my beloved, sweetheart, fiancé been unfaithful to me? How can she be pregnant? We didn't even get together and she's already pregnant, no? And she keeps telling me that she's never slept with anybody else and she's a virgin. Now, obviously, Joseph never thought to himself, ah, yeah, it must be the Holy Spirit, right? So here we have two very, very confused people because it's not as if they are like, you know, these superstitious, stupid people. The expectation since the beginning of creation was that if you are pregnant, it's because two human beings have come together. And so we read here that Joseph decides to divorce Mary quietly for the sake of her honor so that she wouldn't be embarrassed, right? But then now, in verse 20 it says, But after Joseph had considered divorcing Mary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because she is conceived, what is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, this is really, really important because in a way, we have had 17 verses of son of, mother of, father of, and suddenly... Matthew wants to make very clear to us that what is happening with the birth of Jesus is supernatural, divine, and miraculous. And so here we actually are given an insight, right? Before Joseph and Mary, they didn't know exactly what was happening, but now God speaks directly to Joseph through the angel in the dream. And they realize that what is happening is because she is conceived of the Holy Spirit and therefore she is a virgin. And so what it's really trying to be telling us here is that Jesus is special. Is Jesus is special. But why? Why, after the whole history of the Bible, the whole history of the gene- genealogy of Jesus, why is Jesus conceived in this way? Why is there a need for the Holy Spirit and for the Virgin Mary to come and issue forth of Jesus? So in verse 21, we are now told by the angel, She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, why does the name Jesus need to be linked with the Holy Spirit conception and the Virgin Mary? See, Jesus, in his original Hebrew language is Joshua, right? Yeshua. And the original Hebrew means God saves or God is salvation. Now, that makes sense of everything then, right? Because we need Jesus, in a sense, to be of God, to be God, in order to have his name. Like some of us have all these different names, but the names don't kind of like fit who we are, right? But Jesus means God saves. So in order for him to have the name Jesus, he needs to be God, come into this world to save. It's not as if Jesus is acting on behalf of God or acting, you know, uh, working like God is working through Jesus. Jesus, in reality, is God come into this world to save. And that's why his name is Jesus. And so if we think of it this way, Jesus has a special miraculous birth because he is unlike every other human being or any other birth in the whole of history. The Holy Spirit conceives the Virgin Mary, and therefore 
Jesus, this baby, which we celebrate at Christmas time, is fully human, but also fully God. And therefore, he therefore can have that name Jesus. Right? He can only be Jesus. Jesus can only be Jesus because of the Holy Spirit conception. Without the Holy Spirit conception, he cannot be Jesus. There is no Jesus. So, I think there are some football players these days, like plays for Man City, right? Gabriel Jesus. He cannot call himself Jesus, right? Because he's not really God coming to save. Right? It's like his name doesn't fit who he is. But Jesus, the one we celebrate this Christmas, really deserves the name Jesus because he's God come into the world to save us. So that's what we learn in this very, very first part. Because of the Holy Spirit conception, Jesus deserves the name Jesus. Now, Matthew then goes on. She'll give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. See, Jesus, God saves. He has come to save his people from their sins. Now imagine you're swimming in the swimming pool and uh, you're in the shallow end having a good time or maybe you're even wearing water floats, who knows, right? And you're completely safe. If the lifeguard jumped in and then pulled you out of the swimming pool, how would you feel? You would feel rightly embarrassed and unhappy, right? Because you're not in any danger. But you know, last week we were in Desaru. Okay? So if you ever go to the beach in Desaru, you see how dangerous the waves and the water are, right? People drown in Desaru every year. Now, if you were drowning off the beach in Desaru and the lifeguard came and saved you, you would rightly be very, very thankful. And so Jesus is God come into the world to save us. He's in the saving business. Now, there are lots of people in the saving business. Fireman, ambulance, medic, emergency doctor, policeman. But Jesus doesn't come into the world to save us from drowning or from fire or from criminals. He comes to save us from one thing in particular, sins. Because only God can deal with the problem of sins. See, firemen, emergency medic, doctor, policeman, they can't deal with the problem of sins. No human person can deal with the problem of sins. We need God come into the world to deal with the problem of sins. So last week, we already saw even within the family tree, within the history, within the genealogy of Jesus, we see that even the people who made it possible to come to Jesus, they were great, great sinners. So remember Judah and Tamar? Judah was the father-in-law, Tamar was the daughter-in-law. And the father-in-law impregnated the daughter-in-law in order to come up with the family tree of Jesus. We saw how the, Judah, the father, was an ungodly man who refused to obey the law and give his sons over so that Tamar could have a family. And so Tamar scammed the father-in-law and pretended to be a prostitute. And how Judah had sex with his daughter-in-law thinking she was a prostitute. We saw how David, King David, was this great king, but what happened? He slept with Uriah's wife. And he impregnated Uriah's wife, and she became pregnant. And to hide this adultery, he murdered Uriah and took his life. So even within Jesus' family tree, we see appalling sin. 
And the people who sinned are not nobodies. Judah was the founder of the largest and most powerful tribe of the 12 tribes. David was the greatest king that Israel had ever had. But still, they couldn't save themselves from sin, let alone save other people. But in case we have chronological snobbery and we think, you know, we're better than Judah or David, I came across uh, this uh, thing. Do you know what? You know Oxford comes up with the word of the year every year? So do you all know what the word of the year is this year? The word of the year this year is this thing called Goblin Mode. Okay, now what is Goblin Mode? Obviously you all haven't heard of it, so you all don't know what it is, right? So Goblin Mode is um, where it's a type of behavior which is unapologetically self-indulgent, lazy, slovenly, or greedy, typically in a way that rejects social norms or expectations. So that's why you're called goblins, right? Because you know when you watch like Lord of the Rings and other fantasy things, you find goblins, right? And goblins symbolize like lazy, wicked, evil, cruel beings, right? And so like, when you watch Lord of the Rings, we always identify the goblins as the bad people. They are like the wicked, the, you know, they are the, they're the ones who are evil and, 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 and cruel. But we identify ourselves with what? The elves. You know, when you watch Lord of the Rings, we don't identify with the, the goblins, right? We identify the elves. The elves are noble, honorable, good. Interesting then that we should have goblin mode, right? Because what it's really saying is that during the time of COVID, uh, many people adopt goblin mode. They choose to, to not exercise like this bochap attitude. Now, I don't care what other people think. I don't care what society thinks. I'm just going to be myself. Right? I'm going to be lazy. I'm going to be slovenly. I'm going to be messy. I'm going to be just selfish. Lah. I don't care what other people think. And so COVID has given people this opportunity to, I guess, let go of themselves. But the thing is, when we have this goblin mode, what it's really saying is we're not, we're not putting on a different nature. We're just showing the real nature of who we are inside. Lah. In a sense, we are all goblins, right? And so, therefore, when we go into goblin mode, we're just actually showing who we really are. That inside of us, we are selfish people. We really don't want to care for other people, to love other people. We don't really care what society thinks. You know, if I want to blast my music in the MRT, or don't care if people choke the seat in the hawker center, or I don't want to clear my plate, well, that's, that's the real me, right? That's the real goblin in me coming out. So in a sense, what Jesus is really saying is, as we see in the family tree of Jesus, as we see in our own reality, we are all sinners. We're all sinners. And God has come into the world to save us from our sins. All of us need Jesus. But isn't it interesting then what Matthew says? Because he says, She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now notice it doesn't say he will save everyone from their sins. Because he will save his people from their sins. That means, in a sense, there will be a group of people who choose to let God save them. And there will be a group of people who will actually reject God coming in Jesus, saving them. It's a bit like that lifeguard illustration again. You're actually drowning in the ocean. You need someone to save you. But you keep deluding yourself that you are not in danger and you're okay and you don't need someone to save you. 
Now, I like going to Phuket. I go to Phuket all the time. I, I really like Phuket. Now, if you go to Phuket in the off season, the low season, you know, we always go, people always go to Phuket like in the high season, which is like from November, February. If you go in the low season, hotels are very cheap. There's a reason why it's very cheap. Because you can't really swim in the ocean. It's really, really dangerous to swim in the ocean in the low season. On the 31st of July this year, Hong Hai Van, 52, and her daughter Nguyen Shuk An, 16, visited Phuket from Vietnam. They went to the hotel, they checked in, and they decided to go to the ocean to swim. Now obviously, people who live in Phuket know that you shouldn't go swimming in the ocean in July. The staff at the hotel were waving and warning the couple, the, the mother and the child, to get out of the water, but their pleas were ignored. In the end, they drowned. In the same way, the coming of Jesus, God saves, is like a warning to us, right? I mean, why would God bother to come into this world to save us unless we were in danger? You know, it's like this big flag, right, saying danger, danger. But it's up to us whether we choose to be his people, to choose to allow him to save us. Jesus goes on, right, in the rest of Luke, sorry, in the rest of Matthew, to warn people why it is so dangerous and why we need to be saved from our sins. In chapter 5, verse 22, he says, But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka is answerable to the Sanhedrin. Anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away, it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown to hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. You snakes, you brood of vipers, who will escape being condemned? hell. So we cannot make the same mistake as the mother and the daughter. Right? We need to see that all have the problem of sin and all are in great danger because they're destined to penalty, to judgment, and to hell. We need Jesus. Right? We need to be his people. Now, Jesus goes, sorry, Matthew goes on to say this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, the, all this here, obviously, is looking back to the Holy Spirit, conception, and the virgin birth. Right? All these things took place, not because, you know, it was a coincidence or a happenstance, or these things just happened, right? But God made it happen. He made it happen to keep His promises, to fulfill His promises. I think it's really important for people to keep their promises. We, we want people to fulfill their promises, right? When your friends say to you, I'll meet you to eat dinner at a certain time at 7 o'clock, we, we hope that they'll keep their promise, right? Not come at 7.30. We hope for husbands and wives to keep their promises of their wedding vows. We hope for the people that we deal with in Shopee and Lazada and, and Carousel to also fulfill their promises. We hope that our grab driver comes a time when they say they're going to come, right? All the more, we want a God who keeps and fulfills His promises. God has spoken through the prophet Isaiah many, many, many years before. And He said this really strange thing. He said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, 
And here Matthew reminds us what Emmanuel means, which is God with us. Now we already saw last week in Isaiah chapter 9, right, that, that Isaiah seems to speak quite prominently and repeatedly about the coming of Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 9, we already saw that the Christ, right, the Messiah, will have certain characteristics. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, what? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So the coming of Jesus to the Holy Spirit conception and the virgin birth happens, must happen, because God fulfills and keeps his promises. You see, we already said, right, that the Holy Spirit conception, the virgin birth, gives us a unique person in the person of Jesus. He's fully human, but at the same time, he's fully God. Therefore, he is worthy of the name Jesus, right? God saves. God comes into this world to save us. But then, he's also worthy because he fulfills Emmanuel, God with us. He is God come into the world to be with us. So therefore, as Christians, we are not embarrassed about the supernatural, the divine, miraculous birth of Jesus. In fact, it is crucial, right? I mean, when we do the Apostles' Creed, that's what we, that's what we say, right? It's, it's really important because without the virgin birth and the Holy Spirit conception, there is no Jesus as we understand it. And there is no Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew ends in verse 24 and 25. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. Now notice what Matthew is doing here. He's emphasizing again that Joseph did not have any any physical consummation, physical intercourse, or, or didn't impregnate Mary for the nine months until Jesus was born. This is really, really important because it says, so that Joseph would give the name Jesus, God says. Because Matthew wants us to have all confidence, right, all clarity that Jesus was truly born of the Holy Spirit and of the Virgin Mary so that he would come into this world as God to save us. Many years ago, I lived in Australia in my first year of theological college, and I stayed at the fourth floor of a walk-up apartment. So every day, I had to walk up and down. I was a lot younger then, so the eight flights of stairs didn't seem so difficult. Manageable, manageable. So these are the narrow stairs, a bit like this, but maybe a little bit wider. But no dog. Anyway, only thing that we couldn't manage was we have to bring our washing machine up to the fourth story, okay? Now, eight flights of stairs, heavy washing machine. Any of you can carry a washing machine on your own? I think looking at you, I don't think so, lah. Very hard, right? Washing machine is huge and it's so heavy, you've got to bring it up the stairs. I'm thinking, this is impossible, right? Who can bring this washing machine up to my flat? Am I destined to walk down every day to wash my clothes? So anyway, we called the removalist company, blah, blah, blah. They said, can, 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 can be done, can be done. Like, How can this be done? So anyway, they sent me this man. Like, 
The man looked like this. And he didn't look like exactly like this, but he looked like this. Uh. He looked like this, plus this guy combined. Uh. Okay, so this is Dwayne Johnson, right? So he was like this Samoan, Maori, New Zealander dude. Huge guy. Huge, bigger than the run-of-the-mill person. His arm uh, was like my leg. Like, you can imagine if we have Dwayne Johnson here, right? His, 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 like, his arm is like our thigh, you know? So you know what he did? Look on the washing machine. Hey, can you really bring it up? Hey, so he put on these straps. These big, like, straps, you know? You know those luggage straps we have? You know you strap your luggage? Bigger ones, though. Then he strapped the washing machine onto his back, like a backpack, and carried it up eight flights of stairs to my flat. See, you need a big man for a big job. Right? You need a big man for a big washing machine. In the same way, right, you need a big God for a big job. We can't solve the problem of sin. We need a big God to come into this world to save us from the problem of sin. You know, for people like my dad who said that there are no miracles, or people who say that Jesus, you know, he's just a normal human being, or people who say that, you know, his natural, his birth is just exaggerated. This all Jesus huh, cannot save us from sin. That's why Matthew wants to make very clear to us that Jesus is truly God come into this world. That's why you need the Holy Spirit conception. Because only God can save us from our sins. And therefore, what we have to learn is we have to trust Jesus. Right? We have to recognize we are in grave, grave danger. And only Jesus can save us. If not, why bother coming into this world if we can save ourselves? So I hope for all of us that we understand the true nature of Jesus. He's not like us at all. He is completely different, right? He is different from anybody who has ever come into this world. He's come into the world to save us from our sins. He didn't come into this world to enjoy chakoitea or something. Right? He's come to this world as God to save us from our sins. And therefore, this Christmas, we need to really give our lives to Jesus to recognize that we need Him to help us, to save us from our sins. The penalty, the judgment, and the eternal hell that sins brings. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, we, we really want to come to you this Christmas to, to pray that you will help us to, to be really impacting us in our heart to see how really unusual Jesus is. That he was born miraculously, supernaturally, divinely through the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. He did not have a human father, but instead he was divine in himself. He was fully God and fully human. He was fully divine because he was worthy of the name Jesus. God saves. God is salvation because he was truly God come into this world to save us. And to save us from our sins. Something that everyone in history has struggled with and even we struggle with today. And every person is truly in grave danger, destined for eternal judgment, penalty, and hell. We thank you that he is Emmanuel, God with us. We pray that we will always be his people, that we would recognize the danger, recognize our own sinfulness, and to turn to him and him alone 
for salvation because He is the only one who is God come into this world. He is the only one who can save from sins. And we pray for all these things in Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, thank you, thank you, Pastor Andrew, for sharing with us uh, God's Word today. So we have some time to reflect uh, on uh, the two and discuss about the two questions that will be fleshed up now. So the first question is that why, what do you think about Jesus being conceived by or born of the Holy Spirit? And the second question is, why is accepting Jesus' supernatural Holy Spirit conception necessary to understand who Jesus is? So you can uh, discuss with the people next to you, around you, and uh, yeah, we will resume. Then after that, we will resume our, our service shortly. Okay. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at bcpc.sg.